Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into an all-new edition of the Metropolitan Report. I am your host, Alfred Parsar Jr., and here on this podcast, we're going to talk about any and everything New York Mets. Today is Wednesday, March 31st, 2021, and today uh, we're going to talk about the Mets' finalized roster. Uh, opening day is tomorrow. We're going to preview um, tomorrow's matchup against the Washington Nationals for opening day. And we are going to talk about how the National League East is going to shape up this season. And I'll make uh, a couple of bold predictions that I think will come to fruition this season. So we've got a pretty much loaded edition of the Metropolitan Report. But the first thing that I'm going to talk about today, and as I'm recording this, it's 5 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm stating the time because it's very important. As has been reported on this program uh, previously in multiple editions. Francisco Lindor, the big trade acquisition from the New York Mets, uh, was acquired from the Cleveland Indians back in January. Everybody knows by now. I feel like I'm a broken record, but I'll go ahead and reiterate for everybody who missed it. Uh, the Mets gave up uh, Andres Jimenez, and Ahmed Rosario to get Carlos Carrasco and Francisco Lindor. Lindor is in a contract year, meaning at the end of this season, he is going to be a free agent. Lindor went on to state that he wants to get a, an extension done before opening day. Opening day is tomorrow. As of right now, 5 p.m. Eastern time, there is still no deal for Francisco Lindor. He and Steve Cohen went to dinner on Monday night. Uh, Cohen joked that the ravioli that he ordered was not very good. We know that Francisco Lindor had chicken parmesan. We know that the Mets offered $325 million for 10 years. We know that it's been reported that allegedly that is the best and final offer, quote-unquote. We also know that Lindor's camp countered with $365 million for 12 years. Now I know you guys can hear the tone in my voice. Now while there is no bad guy and no villain in this situation, and I'll explain why, the Mets are not wrong. They offered 325 for 10 years. That's $32.5 million per year. And a long-term deal. So 10 years from now, when that deal expires, should Lindor take it, he'll be 37. Now, if the Mets acquiesce and give him what he wants, when that deal expires, he'll be 39, which 37 and 39, both kind of old in baseball. Now, I don't know if this is because Lindor wants to be the highest-paid shortstop in all of baseball. We currently know that that uh, distinction belongs to Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. His salary, when he got his extension, $340 million. In my personal opinion, I feel like these parties should meet each other halfway. Just so that we can get the deal done. Um, Lindor has been on the record as saying that he likes his teammates, he likes the staff, he likes the organization. Steve Cohen, the owner, 
who, by the way, is the richest owner in current sports history. He is a hedge fund billionaire. He was quoted as saying, I hope Lindor does sign. And obviously the Mets front office, who traded for him, you don't trade for players you don't want. So obviously, uh, especially giving up Jimenez, who could have been a future uh, of the Mets infield for many years to come, was thrown in that deal, sent to the Cleveland Indians. So obviously they want Lindor. But I personally think they should meet each other halfway. Give him 11 years, 341. By the time that deal expires, Lindor is 38. He's going to get $1 million more per year than Tatis, making him effectively the highest paid shortstop in all of baseball. But that's just my opinion. But meet each other halfway. 12 for 365. Now, like I said, there's no villains here because the Mets made a more than fair offer because the initial reports stated that uh, the deal was going to be for $300 million. They offered 325 That eclipses way more than the biggest deal in history, which went to David Wright at one point in time for $135 million for eight years back in 2012. A contract they didn't even see all the way through because David Wright, as great as he was, had injuries toward the end. But I don't know what is going through Lindor's mind. I don't know if this is... I don't, I, I don't know if it's because he wants to be the highest paid shortstop in baseball, but also you got to remember going for 385, that's going to be tough. Um, the Major League Baseball is coming up on a new collective bargaining agreement at the end of this year. We don't know how that's going to affect potential player contracts. The way I would be thinking is get as much money as you can now before that new CBA kicks in because you don't know what restrictions are, are going to be agreed upon, if any, between the league and the owners, when there's a new collective bargaining agreement, the, the league and the owners have more power than the players union historically. So we, we don't know what, what that's going to look like. We also don't know if teams are going to shell out 385. And I also think Lindor's playing a big risk because although he had a great spring training, it's just spring training. He had a phenomenal spring training. But I simply would be curious to think that if Lindor gets hurt with a major injury, God forbid, or he has an awful season this year. Because remember, we're coming off of a shortened 60-game marathon last season that was 2020. So we don't know what anybody's going to look like. So if he has a down year or, God forbid, he gets hurt, he may have just worked himself out of out of major money. So from his perspective, I would think he would want to deal before the season begins. And for the Mets perspective, let's think about this. All that money you gave up, he gets hurt or has a bad year. Now you thought he was worth 325 and now you're inclined to offer him less. And again, you gave up capital in Rosario and especially the young Jimenez to get Lindor. You, like I've said on this pro program, Several times before. Now you're you're going to let him walk away for nothing. And uh, God forbid he gets hurt or chooses to walk away. 
Yeah, you basically you ba I mean it's not as bad as the 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 capital that was given up in the uh trade uh in in 2019 for Diaz and Cano where they gave up Jared Kelenic did Brody Van Wagenen a move that's still criticized to this day because Kelenic is still thought uh that they they're still thought that he can develop into a, a superstar but God forbid there's an injury or a down year. The Mets are going to look foolish for that trade. You got a one-year rental player. God forbid the team is not contending by the All-Star break. At least, at least they can trade Lindor and get some, at least something for him if, if they can't get a commitment. But like I said, these two sides, they, they should meet each other halfway. Again, the Mets offer was fair, but you also can't fault Lindor because he's taking a chance on himself. And yes, he is a once-in-a-generational talent. I do believe that he is the second greatest shortstop in baseball today behind Tatis. The only thing with the length of the deal, a lot of people are saying, well, oh, uh, Tatis got a long-term deal. Yes, Fernando Tatis is 21. He's 21 years old. He is six years younger than than Lindor and does not have as many miles uh, on his body. He does not have as much mileage on his body than Lindor does. Lindor is six years older, but he does have the accolades. Four-time All-Star, two gold gloves, two silver sluggers. Now, again, because he's more accomplished than Tatis, even though he's older, I would say pay him more. I want to see 11, 341, and a player option in, in each, in, in, in th after the first three seasons, give him an opt-out in the fourth and fifth years, just in case he decides, yeah, New York's not for me, it's overrated. Or I don't like the organization anymore. Or if he becomes a malcontent, he has a way out. But I personally would like to see 11 for 341. But uh, one of his teammates, Pete Alonso, uh, he was more generous with what he thought uh, Lindor should be offered. Uh, let's take a listen to what he had to say. I mean, pay him 400. Okay. I mean, you, you've been his uh, teammate now for uh, a, a little over a month. Uh, I mean, you think he's a $400 million player? Absolutely. No question about it. He's not only is he a superstar on the field, he pays attention. He works hard. He cares about his teammates. And he not only does he have the quantifiable numbers of a superstar, uh, he, he has the X factor. And what he brings to a clubhouse is is tremendous and can't be measured along with his superstar talent. And um, yeah, I I hope they pay him $400 million and he's he's worth every penny of what what he decides. And um, again, that's that's his personal decision. But I, I think that he's he's a superstar. I've always known he was an unbelievable player, but the amount of intangibles that that man has is special. Also, he's. He's young and what he can bring to a club for a very, very long time is it, it I, I can't even imagine what the potential he could he could help out for the future. So I yeah, pay him four hundred million dollars. Absolutely. And some people will agree with Pete Alonzo. I mean, Steve Cohen has the means to pay him four hundred million dollars. And if that's the sentiment in the clubhouse, because Alonso spoke very highly of 
of Lindor in that in that soundbite. So Pete, who is one of the faces of the team, I mean, if a guy like that says it, it probably represents what the rest of the guys in the clubhouse think. I would I would assume so. Um, but if 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 his teammates believe that he deserves that money, then why would the owner uh, not not take heed to that? Why would the owner not pay attention to that? But again, uh, I'm I'm not at the bargaining table. I'm outside of outside of sport video games, um, where I'm playing the role of a GM. I I have no experience in negotiating contracts. So I mean, I don't know what Cohen's thought is. I don't. I, again, I all that money they threw at Bauer and Springer and didn't sign either one of them. Um, like the the capital is there to pay Lindor. Um, one of the biggest endorsements from the clubhouse you could get is from Pete Alonso, and I mean if he's not only speaking for himself but um, for the rest of the clubhouse, then I mean how how wrong could could that opinion be? You know, um, and and this is the other thing now because conf- the Mets have a lot of uh, expiring contracts coming up at the end of this season. Michael Conforto is going to be a free agent. Uh, Marcus Stroman's going to be a free agent. Noah Syndergaard's going to be a free agent. And you could only think to believe that this Lindor situation is going to have a trickle-down effect. Uh, if Lindor gets signed, uh, I can only imagine Conforto testing the open market again. It's been well-documented. He is a Scott Boris client. And uh, historically, clients of Scott Boris like to go and test the market. Um, I don't want to predict what's going to happen with Conforto's contract just yet. But I have a a gut feeling that he will will not be a Met past twenty twenty one. Um, they haven't even. I mean, they've they Cohen in the press and and Sandy Alderson have talked about Syndergaard. Nobody's mentioned Marcus Stroman's contract, so that that's an interesting situation too. That's another guy they traded for. They made a push in the twenty nineteen trade deadline when they were chasing that wild card spot that they ultimately did not get. Uh, but that was a trade deadline move where, where they made that push. They gave up a prospect in Anthony Kay and sent him to the Blue Jays for Stroman in 2019. But Stroman didn't want to be a Blue Jay either uh, at that point, so that that's that's interesting. It remains to be seen. But I, I would like Lindor and the Mets to put something something together in the in the uh, in the eleventh hour. But uh, if you ask me personally, I I I don't think that they get a deal done, and I personally don't think Lindor stays a Met past 2021. And uh, I I know I'm supposed to. I know I, I I'm supposed to be impartial, um. With my opinions on this program. But uh, and I know you guys can hear the disappointment in my voice, but I really thought that uh, Lindor was going to be um, a long-term future player for the New York Mets, our organization, our franchise. And um, and again, I, I can't fault somebody for believing what they're worth. But with so many factors involved in, in the upcoming CBA, now th- this would be this would be real crazy because. If Lindor makes it through the season healthy, like I said, um, new CBA coming up, you don't know what the money's going to look like. 
he may not get a, a deal as good as as, as three twenty five um, from any club uh, after this season. Uh, I I do believe Cohen could make a, a little bit more of a of a push. Again, I would I personally would like to see eleven years, three hundred forty one million. But um, it's just disheartening because even before he became uh, he came to the New York Mets, uh, I was a huge Francisco Lindor fan. Uh, just from the fact that he is a leader, he's extremely talented, once in a generational talent. Uh, I even have a Lindor Cleveland Indians jersey in my closet that I bought several years back. Um, and it, I would have liked to have added a Mets Lindor jersey, but I'm not going to buy a jersey of a guy who may not even be on the team past July. Potentially. So, um, yeah. I'm very disappointed. Uh, I really thought a deal was going to get done. And I had a feeling that, you know... With 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 the the down to the wire negotiations, they would have got something done. They did re-sign Degrom at the last minute. Was hoping uh, they could do the same for Lindor. But uh, and then I know a lot of people are saying, well, yeah, but the shortstops that are going to be available after the season is over uh, is a great class of free agent shortstops. Um, Carlos Correa from the Astros, Corey Seager from the Dodgers, Javier Baez from from the Cubs. And Trevor Story from the Rockies. Uh, all four of those guys have expiring contracts this year. Um, as talented as Seager, Correa, uh, Story, and Baez are, those guys are not Francisco Lindor. So, uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, coming up after the break, um, we are going to examine the Mets' opening day roster. So, uh... Keep it tuned here. You're listening to the Metropolitan Report. I am Alfred Parsar Jr. What's up, y'all? This is Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even Podcast. I'm tuning in with my man Alfred, host of the Metropolitan Report. That's the only place that I get my Mets news from. Tap in, because trust me, that's crazy. And we're back on the Metropolitan Report. Uh, now it's time to go over the Mets opening day roster. So spring training is officially over. Uh, the Mets have decided on their opening day roster and the team is currently in Washington, DC right now in preparation of playing the nationals, um, tomorrow, uh, you can watch that game on ESPN. It's nationally televised. Uh, the Mets will be playing the Washington nationals with a 7:09 PM Eastern time. First pitch start time. Um, so it's going to be DeGrom versus Scherzer in that matchup tomorrow. But uh, before we get there, let's look at the Mets' uh, opening day roster. Uh, very little surprises here um, coming out of camp. Um, at catcher, uh, James McCann, obviously the starter. Tomas Nito will be the backup. Um, Nito competed for the job in spring training, but he won it uh, essentially without much competition. Uh, prospect Patrick Mazika uh, was battling Nito, but of course Nito is going to get the bid. Nito has been the backup catcher for the last several years uh, for the New York Mets. Uh, this is going to be a test for James McCann because McCann was primarily a backup uh, with the White Sox. Uh, he was behind Yasmani Grandal last season until Grandal got hurt, and McCann broke out and earned himself uh, this contract with the Mets. Um, first base, obviously, going to be Pete Alonso. There's no question there. Of course, um, the only backup uh, first baseman that the Mets do have is Dom Smith, but Dom Smith, due to the outfield issues, uh, will be spending a lot of time in left field. Um, no surprises here. Uh, Jose Martinez, who was a first baseman and, and outfield guy, 
him getting hurt in in spring training uh, earlier this month led to um, there essentially being no backup behind first. Um, but if Pete Alonso should need a day off or, um, you know, the Mets uh, happen to find themselves in interleague play situations, um, Dom can play first base and uh, give Pete the day off or have him play DH if it's interleague play. Uh, the second base, uh, you have Jeff McNeil, the second baseman by trade, who is also flexible. He can play third. He can play in the outfield. Uh, his backups will be Luis Guillorme and Jonathan Villar. And uh, even though they lost Robinson Cano uh, to the full season uh, performance-enhancing drug suspension, uh, the Mets are still well covered at second base, which is, again, McNeil's natural position. Uh, and again, if roster issues do force uh, McNeil to move off second, meaning he has to go to left, center, or right field, which he has proven in the past that he can play or even go to third third base, um, the Mets are still covered with Guillorme, Guillorme sorry, and VR. Uh, shortstop Francisco Lindor, even though Guillorme can, uh, or, or VR can fill in for uh, Lindor at shortstop, um, Lindor is at least going to be a 150-game guy, uh, barring no injuries, acts of God, or, or unfortunate situations. Uh, Jose Peraza uh, was competing with Guillaume for the backup spot. Uh, Peraza did not make the team, but he is on the Mets taxi squad, meaning that uh, he will be traveling with the team to practice. And uh, should somebody get a positive COVID test result, God forbid, or an injury uh, per, per, uh, that can play shortstop or middle infield, uh, Peraza would be expected to uh, get the bump up to the big league club. Uh, third base, J.D. Davis uncontested. Uh, J.D. Davis is also a guy who can platoon in the outfield if need be, um, but he is a third baseman by trade. Hopefully his offense can go back to the production that uh, he had back in 2019 when he hit over 300. Uh, in the event he gets injured again, McNeil, VR, or Guillaume can see time at third base. The outfield, starting left fielder Dominic Smith, Center fielder Brandon Nimmo, right fielder Michael Conforto, uh, with bench, uh, with bench platoon members Kevin Pillar and Albert Almora Jr. Uh, on paper, um, this this outfield core is very, uh, very offensively minded. They're a potent hitting outfield lineup. Um, so there's no issues with the offense. We saw what Dominic Smith can do with the bat last season. Uh, Pilar, Almora, and Conforto all had solid spring training camps, as did Brandon Nimmo. If you look on the Metropolitan Report Instagram page where we uh, post highlights, where we've been posting throughout spring training, Brandon Nimmo has made several beautiful defensive plays. Uh, people were wondering, and some were knocking his defensive ability, um, but uh, he's flashed a glove solid several times. Uh, so, I mean, the Mets have an outfield cornerstone in Conforto, however, the defense is the big question. I mean, Pilar is on the bench, but he is a defensive highlight reel. Dom Smith, you can't keep a guy like that who who uh, smashed over 300. I believe he hit a uh, 313 last season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you can't keep a guy like that with a big bat out of the lineup. So it's either left field or bust. Uh, he's been working all spring long, um, and even even the last couple of years on uh, his defensive uh, efforts uh, and. He even we even played a soundbite in one of the earlier editions of the Metropolitan Report, where uh, Dom acknowledged that he's not happy with his defense, but he continues to work at it every day. If he could get defensive defensive uh, 
playing defense in left field down packed every day, that guy's going to be scary. He's already scary with the bat. All he has to do is just uh, um, get the glove down packed. And, uh, of course, again, Nimmo, um, he, he's shown um, uh, some flashes with the glove uh, this spring training, which is good. Uh, Pilar and Almora, they, they make the team also. And, again, we just said Pilar is a defensive highlight reel. Um, they made the team with strong defensive efforts as well. And uh, Pilar, m most often than not, will play against lefties. Um, and he'll probably replace one of the Mets' three left-handed starting outfielders. Uh, Malik Smith, the former Seattle Mariner, uh, he didn't make the club, but he is on the taxi squad. And again, should a, a last-minute uh, COVID-positive test pop up, Malik Smith, the speedy veteran, will um, most likely uh, get the bump up to the big league club. All right, the starting rotation, which was a hot-button issue, especially with now that Carlos Carrasco, in addition to the elbow, uh, has the uh, torn hamstring, so we don't know when we'll see him back. Um, but the starting rotation, opening day starter Jacob DeGrom, followed by Marcus Stroman at two, Taiwan Walker at three, David Peterson at four, and Joey Lucchese at five. Uh, again, uh, Carlos Carrasco was telling everybody uh, in the press he would be good to go by opening day, uh, despite not playing a single Grapefruit League game uh, due to that elbow soreness. But then once he tore the right hamstring, that knocked him off of the opening day roster, which cleared space for both Peterson and Lucchese, who were battling for the fifth starter spot with Jordan Yamamoto, who uh, was reassigned to minor league camp. He'll be starting the season in AAA Syracuse. Um, Peterson and Lucchese, uh, they're, they're the uh, uh, confirmed four and five now. Uh, the Mets do hope that Noah Syndergaard will return from his Tommy John surgery recovery by June. But at this point right now, it's too early to estimate uh, the certainty of that. Um, I feel like out of all the Mets starters, and I said this on the last edition of the Metropolitan Report, that Marcus Stroman is the freshest out of the five. What do I mean by that? He did not play in 2020. Marcus Stroman opted out. So in that crazy 60-game marathon where, where games were grouped together so quickly, back-to-back-to-back to back to back behind each other, um, and guys like DeGrom who eat up innings because he is the ace where there may have been a lot of stress on his arm. Um, Stroman has the freshest arm. So it'll be interesting to see how he pitches compared to the other four, the bullpen, uh, the confirmed bullpen to start the season, Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Aaron loop, Jerry's familia, Dylan Batances, Miguel Castro, Jacob Barnes, and Robert Gesellman. Uh, Gesellman won that final spot in the last couple days of camp. Uh, it was between he and Jerry Blevins. Blevins, of course, has been optioned to the alternate site in Brooklyn where he will train before the minor league season begins. Uh, the loss of Seth Lugo has weakened this bullpen that hopes to have him back at some point in May. Uh, but in the interim, um, the Mets, uh, they acquired Trevor May and Aaron Loop for a reason. And uh, hopefully uh, Jerry's familiar Dylan Batances uh, can bounce back from horrid 2020 seasons. But um, Familia actually started off spring training uh, rusty. Command was off. Um, couldn't find the plate. But he finished He finished this spring with a 1.80 ERA. But Tansis has looked terrible. But you can't pay a guy $6 million uh, on a contract and, and not have him make the club. So uh, that's that. Uh, Jacob Barnes... Uh, I was really impressed with him this spring training in the Grapefruit League. He solidified his roster spot 
uh, with a strong end to camp, uh, which included five consecutive scoreless outings, and he had eight strikeouts with no walks, which is impressive. Uh, he K'd eight, walked nobody. Uh, Mike Montgomery was a, a serious contender uh, to make the bullpen, but uh, the Mets didn't want to guarantee him the $2.25 million uh, for what might have been a temporary stay in their bullpen. So uh, they let him go and gave his spot to Robert Gesellman, despite Gesellman struggling in the spring with an ERA of 5.0. Uh, but however, Gesellman is a, uh, a proven arm. He's been on this Mets club um, for several years now. So uh, why not go with who you know? Uh, Drew Smith was also in contention uh, for the bullpen, but shoulder soreness uh, prevented him from making the big league club. And an elbow ailment kept uh, Arotis Vizcaino off the roster as well. He's been uh, sent to the alternate site, um, but he's closer to being ready than Drew Smith is. Um, Trevor Hildenberger and Steven Tarpley both made the taxi squad. So in the event that there's a positive COVID test uh, from anybody in the bullpen, Hildenberger or Tarpley, uh, will be readily available because they are traveling with the team as part of the taxi squad. Uh, let's look at the National League East um, right now. Uh, of course, for those of you who don't know, and I'm pretty sure most of you do know who follow baseball, the National League East is composed of five teams, the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves, the Washington Nationals, the Miami Marlins, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I ultimately think that the Atlanta Braves will win the National League East. Uh, that lineup and the, the, the players they have on their roster are scary. Uh, they have the reigning NL MVP, Freddie Freeman, on their roster. They have Ronald Acuna Jr., who you can't sleep on, uh, Ender Enciarte. They have Christian Pache, who uh, some are pegging to be the National League Rookie of the Year this year. Um, Austin Riley. Uh, look, at their, look at their pitching staff. Uh, Mike Soroka is going to come back from the injury this season. Uh, Ian Anderson was solid last season and he it's funny because uh, in addition to Pache they're thinking that uh, Pache will finish the rookie of the year and they think Ian Anderson will be the runner-up which would be crazy Um, and they've also added uh, Charlie Morton the former World Series hero who in 2017 uh, for the Houston Astros uh, came out of the pen even though he was a starter Uh, he pitched in the World Series last year for the Rays so this is a guy he's been to a couple World Series He's been uh, tested and proven, and uh, that pitching staff is scary. Uh, A.J. Minter, if he can bounce back um, into his 2018 form, um, then, then the Braves are going to be a scary team. Uh, and, of course, they've got Ozzie Albies as well, Johan Camargo. So um, the Braves are going to be really scary. You can't sleep on the Philadelphia Phillies either. Um, their offense is, is insane on paper. Um, they've got Bryce Harper, J.T. Real Muto, Scott Kingery, uh, Gene Segura, Didi Gregorius. Uh, even though he's not the same Andrew McCutcheon that we knew on the Pittsburgh Pirates, Andrew McCutcheon is still a decent ball player. Um, their rotation, Aaron Nola, uh, Zach Wheeler. So those guys, uh, even their bullpen with Hector Neris uh, leading the bullpen. So um, those guys, you can't sleep on them either. Uh, the Washington Nationals. They've also improved. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman will be playing this season. He opted out last season. Of course, you've got Juan Soto uh, with the infamous Soto Shuffle that was popular in the 2019 World Series. Um, you've got Victor Robles, uh, who, who everybody is expecting a breakout year from. 
Uh, so and, and and with the with the additions of uh, uh, Josh Bell and and Kyle Schwarber, who came over from the Cubs, um, Josh Bell coming over from the Pirates, uh, a great first baseman. So um, that 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 lineup is power heavy with Soto and Zimmerman and Schwarber and Bell. And then look at the rotation. Um, they've added John Lester, who has uh, three World Series rings. He's got uh, two with the Red Sox, one with the Cubs. Um, of course, uh, Max Scherzer, you can't forget about. He's their ace. Steven Strasburg is going to start the year on the injured list, but Strasburg is, is a heck of a, a heck of a talent. The 2019 World Series MVP. Um, so you, you can't, you, you, you can't forget about these guys. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough division. The only team that I am not worried about in the National League East is the Miami Marlins. I feel that the shortened 60-game season, plus their team's COVID outbreak that that uh, that paused them from playing for two weeks, gave them enough preparation time, um, and they, they got to the playoffs by a fluke. Uh, the only uh, players on offense that, uh, that they have that uh, I would be even remotely wary of is, a, is an aging Starling Marte and uh, Jesus Aguilar. So uh, I'm not uh, I'm not sold on them being a threat. Um, not at all, not in the least bit. Um, again, I'm gonna go ahead and say it again. Uh, I believe that the Miami Marlins were a fluke last season. Um, yeah, they have Brian Anderson and Garrett Cooper as well, but um, and and their ace and their their ace of a pitcher, Sandy Alcantara. He's okay, but I I guarantee if he went to a, a better team, he wouldn't be an ace. And uh, that's my opinion, and I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to even go as so far as to say I don't even think the Marlins get 60 wins this season. Take that take how you want it and do with it what you will. Uh, but I do ultimately believe that the NL East will be won by the Braves. Um, as far as other divisions in the National League, um because this is important because it's going to I'm also going to talk about the wild card. I do believe the NL Central will be won by the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't think the Cincinnati Reds who couldn't get runs to save their lives uh in that first round playoff series they played uh last season. Uh, I don't think that they are a playoff team at all this season. I also don't think that the Chicago Cubs who look look like they're in rebuilding mode by by losing a uh, uh Kyle Schwarber and Hugh Darvish, I don't think they're going to be competitive. I think Javi Baez and Chris Bryant have checked out, for lack of a better term. Uh, NL West, Dodgers all the way. Uh, even though San Diego's in that division, I don't think personally that, um, I don't think that the Diamondbacks or or the Giants, um, are, are going to put up much of a fight in that division. Neither will the Colorado Rockies. So um, I'm giving the Dodgers. Uh, I think the first wild card spot is going to go to the Padres because they're just too good on paper. I don't think they're going to be as good as the Dodgers, but they'll be right there. I probably They probably will get five less wins than the Dodgers. And then um, the Mets, I have the Mets as the second wild card. It's going to be a fight because um, that whole NL East, uh, anybody, any of those teams can, can get that wild card, but uh, I do have faith in the Mets. 
And the last thing that we'll touch on in this edition of the Metropolitan Report before we get to the opening day preview is the bold predictions. Um, I firmly believe that we are going to get 40 home runs minimum from Pete Alonso. He's going to bounce back tremendously from that 2020 season. Uh, I think he will start slow, but I do think he gets minimum 40 home runs. He's going to go on a surge from June to August, and you heard it here first. I also believe Jacob deGrom is going to get 20 wins this season, at least minimum 20. I have a good feeling about this Mets team and watching them from spring training. I firmly believe that deGrom is finally, for the first time in his career, going to get consistent run support that he has not had uh, since being in the majors. There have been plenty of times where DeGrom has come out of a game and the Mets are, are either tied or they're up and the bullpen blows the lead or the offense is not producing. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Or, or the Mets have been down a run by the time DeGrom comes out. Uh, I think DeGrom finally, with Lindor in the fold, Conforto hitting the way he did in spring training, um, Dom Smith, Pete Alonso, um, those guys, and, and, and the ever-consistent Jeff McNeil, who's hit 300 or better in every season he's ever played in the big leagues. Uh, all those guys are, are I, I, I believe, are going to be able to give DeGrom the run support that he needs. So two bold predictions for the season. Um, it's going to be um, DeGrom with 20 wins and Pete with 40 home runs. And finally on the program, uh, again, tomorrow is opening day. The Mets play the Nationals. In Washington, 7.09 p.m. start time. And the projected lineups for this uh, Washington Nationals team, since they are the home team. They have Trey Turner leading off at fir- uh, in, the, in the leadoff spot, followed by Juan Soto. Uh, Josh Bell third. Schwarber in the cleanup. Uh, Starlin Castro batting fifth. Josh Harrison batting sixth. Uh, Jan Gomes, 7th, Ro- Victor Robles, 8th, and the pitcher spot in the ninth spot, which uh, I'm very happy to see that there's no universal DH. And then the Mets uh, projected lineup, Brandon Nimmo in the leadoff, uh, followed by Lindor. Um, the third spot, Michael Conforto, Pete batting cleanup, uh, Dom batting 5th. It's weird, but Jeff, Jeff McNeil, who is uh, historically... For his career, batting in the top three spots in the order. Uh, he's batting sixth. J.D. Davis, seventh. James McCann, eighth. Pitcher spot in the ninth. Uh, looking at um, the calendar here, uh, I think that the Mets can take two out of three from Washington. Um, so the Mets schedule the first six games uh, on the uh, opening homestand, uh, opening road trip, sorry, are uh, Washington three times and Philly three times before the Mets come home to start the first homestand of the season uh, one week from tomorrow against the Miami Marlins. But uh, I think ultimately uh, this Mets team on this six game road trip to start the season, I think they, uh, I think they split three and three. I think they'll take two out of three from Washington, but Philly will take two out of three from the Mets. Uh, That is my prediction. And yeah. I think the Mets uh, start off 3-3. Three and three. Uh, But with DeGrom on the hill, I think uh, tomorrow 
specifically for tomorrow's game, um, the Mets will prevail. So this has been a loaded edition of the Metropolitan Report. Again, I am Alfred Parsar Jr. And now that spring training is over, and tomorrow is the day that we've all been waiting for, the last and only thing to say is, let's go Mets! <laughs>